Back when I was a corporate trainer and I was actually in charge of the training department, this is one of the things I read at orientation. It's from Charles Wendall, and it's really meant a lot to me through my entire life. And that is, the longer I live, the more I realize the impact of attitude on life. Attitude to me is more important than facts. It's more important than the past, the education, the money, the circumstances, than failure, than successes, than what other people think or say or do. It is more important than appearance, giftedness, or skill. It will make or break a company, a church, a home. The remarkable thing is we have a choice every day regarding the attitude we will embrace for that day. We cannot change our past. We cannot change the fact that people will act in a certain way. We cannot change the inevitable. The only thing we can do is play on that one string we have, and that string is our attitude. I'm convinced that life is 10% what happens to me and 90% of how I react to it. And so it is with you. We are in charge of our attitudes. And I wanted to bring that to you today because today we're interviewing Shane from Tourpreneur. And as you might imagine, last year with the pandemic, being in the tour business, not a lot of fun. Wait till you hear how Shane not only survived, but actually came out better. The School of Podcasting with Dave Jackson. Podcasting Sense 2005. I'm your award-winning Hall of Fame podcast coach, Dave Jackson, thanking you so much for tuning in. If you're new to the show, this is where I help you plan, launch, and grow your podcast. My website is schoolofpodcasting.com. Use the coupon code LISTENER, that's L-I-S-T-E-N-E-R, when you sign up for either a monthly or yearly subscription. And don't forget, that comes with a money-back guarantee. If you're not happy with it, with any time in those first 30 days, I will gladly refund your money. And one of the things I love to talk about, as you might imagine, is podcasting, which leads us to this. In case you missed it, it's time for a podcast rewind. I appeared on the Pharmacist Voice, which is a journey podcast of Kim Newlove, as she's going from being a pharmacist to working in the voiceover industry. And we talked a little podcasting and how I've helped her with her podcast. Well, I remember when I was looking for a podcast coach, I found you on YouTube. Did you know that? Do you remember that? I did not know that. So I, that lets me know I need to do more YouTube videos. And, and that's actually something people go, should I do YouTube or should I do podcast? I really think those are two separate audiences because I know some people that like know everything there is to know about PewDiePie because they're all about YouTube. And then other people know everything about Joe Rogan and Mark Maron and podcasting and Adam Curry. But in some cases, they're only in their own little bubble. And so if you do a podcast, maybe you should do a YouTube as well, because you're going to end up reaching maybe in some cases to audiences that uh, may not know you just if you just stay in one spot. I also appeared on the Trustcast. This is a podcast by Jacob Harmon on an episode called Why Podcasting is the Next Big Thing. Or if I have somebody who, uh, you know, if, if for some reason the last question I ask 
leads to this phenomenal, like, wow, I didn't know that. That's amazing. Holy cow. And in my head, I'm thinking, wow, this is 19 minutes into the interview. I will take that and put it at the front. And I'll have links to both those shows out in the show notes at schoolofpodcasting.com slash 760. Wait till you hear this interview with Shane from Torpreneur. As you might imagine, COVID has just devastated any kind of touring business. And when Shane had this hit, his knee-jerk reaction was to run to his audience and say, what do you want to hear? His knee-jerk reaction was like, okay, well, we can't do tours, but what can we do to be better when we're finally allowed to come back? Other people, understandably, folded up their tent and just packed it up. So here's my conversation with Shane Whaley from Tourpreneur.com. How's it going, buddy? Absolute honor to be on a show that I listen to every week without fail. This and Ask the Podcast Coach are the ones I listen to. So to be on the show uh, is a big honor for me. Thank you, sir. When I talk about the brilliant podcasting minds in the private Facebook group at the School of Podcasting, you're one of those. So it's it's awesome to have you on here. And one of the big things, you know, 2020 was a little bit of a dumpster fire, just a little bit. And you have a show about people traveling and doing tours of cities. And it's like, hey, come take it. Oh, well, you can't. So uh, maybe just a little different of a year for you last year. Yeah. Uh, as a, for most of us, it's a horrendous year. And Tourpreneur is a show, I'll steal one of your lines here, where we flatten the learning curve for tour operators because the difference between being a tour operator and, say, being a hotelier is you can go to hotel school and learn how to run a hotel. Um, same with airlines. And, and with tour operators, you either learn it from mom and dad or you intern somewhere and learn the ropes or you just go, I've got this passion and I've got this idea and I want to build a tour about it. So let's say, for instance, David, what was the name of one of your old bands in Akron? Uh, Assault was Assault. one. Let's yeah. say Assault's got this global following and I'm living in Akron and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to create this walking tour. We're going to go to the place where Assault had their first gig. We're going to go to the place where Assault met David Bowie, where right. Assault opened for Kiss. We, you have this tour and you create it. And there right. are so many tour operators that are doing this around the world, thanks to the technology that we have today, making a living out of it. But it's hard to actually, you don't get the knowledge from a book. So essentially what I'm doing, it's the, the hero's journey inside most of the tour operator business stories, how they got started, where they got their idea from, where they got their funding, what's the high, what's the low, et cetera. So if we're, we're learning from other tour operators. Then, of course, it was going really well. So 2019, um, got a bit of sponsorship coming in, got some promises for 2020. And what had happened was, this is, again, the beauty of podcasting. I've worked in online travel for 20 years. And the company I was working for, a global company, said, Shane, we need you to move back to New York City. Now, I'd been a couple of years in the Green Mountain State of Vermont. There was no way I was going back to New York City. I'm at an age where I've done New York. Now, I, I love living here with the cows and having no neighbors and, and all of that. Yeah. And there's no, there's no real big travel companies here in Vermont. So I had to go do something on my own. Now, as you know, I, I have Spyberry, which is a podcast, that what I call a hobby cast, all about spy books and movies. And I thought, okay, how do I use that knowledge of building an online community and a podcast with my industry experience? Can I create something? And here's the thing, David, I used to get in so much trouble in, in my last job because I'd go and meet a tour operator 
and end up spending three hours drinking tea with them because I was always fascinated. Like, where'd you get the idea for this tour? How did you get started? And what, you know, how did you go about hiring staff? Like, I was always curious about their journey rather than actually doing the business. And I thought, well, let's marry that together. Let's have a podcast. Let's go out and deconstruct these businesses and, and unpack what they've done. And that's Torpreneur. And we're, we're about 130 episodes in. It's probably nearer 200 with, with the bonuses that we've put out. And in um, 2020, it was all set to give me a very decent part-time living, bearing in mind I live in Vermont, right? So cost of living is, is cheaper here. Um, but then in March, I was in London. I was doing some Torpreneur interviews there. And it was 3 a.m. in the morning. I was fast asleep. My phone blows up. I'm like, oh, gosh, who's died? And there's all these messages saying, you need to get on the next flight back to the United States. President Trump is banning all flights from Europe. You need, you need to get over. And that was a very weird experience, David. The first time ever in my life where I've been somewhere and the government is saying you cannot fly. Normally, it's weather-related, right? Or a right. is on. But I thought, oh, crikey. So... I actually went on this London rock and roll tour the next morning, which was phenomenal. And I'll share more about that later on. Got a flight back. And that whole flight back to the US, I'm like, well, that's my business down the toilet. Nobody's going to want to listen to a how I built this uh, style show about tour operator where none of us are taking any bookings. None of us are making any revenues. Most of us are going to have to close the doors on the business. And that whole flight home, I, I was thinking of ways that I could get around it and pivot. And I got off that flight you know, very emotional and kind of beaten thinking there's no way to get through this. And then the next week or so, I just took stock and I spoke to our listeners and I said, look, you know, what do you want to hear on the show? And they said, we just want to hear what other tour operators are doing around the world. Because so much of this is about, same as with podcasting, connection and community. Um, the How I Built This Show, funny enough, they launched the How I Built Resilience series and they had to pivot. So they went to 20 to 30 minute shows where they went back to previous guests and say, right, okay, you you were flying, you were making all these millions, uh, what are you doing now? And that's kind of similar to what I had to do at Tourpreneur, but that only came about because I went to my listeners and said, what do you want to hear? What's important to you? And I was smiling when Shane said this when I was interviewing him because I talk about it all the time. When in doubt, ask your audience. And that's exactly what Shane did. And I always talk about the Facebook group for the school of podcasting. And one of those people is Glenn, the geek, and he's been on this show and explained how one of the ways he grew his audience, it was partnering with a trade show about your, whatever your podcast is. And that's exactly what Shane did. Well, if I remember right, you set pictures where you, you basically approached the largest or one of the largest kind of tour events, I guess, basically, where you got a booth? Yeah, uh, absolutely. So what, what happened there was there's, there's a, you know, a bit, let's say it's like the equivalent of podcast movement for the tour and activity industry. And they had come to me and said, hey, we will give you a booth if you produce interviews live from the floor, 20 episodes sponsored by one of these travel companies. And I was like, hell yeah because I know how much those booths cost. Yeah. Um, so, you know, yes, you're right. I think it was Chris Nessie had shown that he'd had one of those display roll-up things that mm -hmm. you know, in the pre-Zoom years that none of us were really using. And, you know, I went and got one of those, got it designed, good old Vista print of the rescue. And, and that was a huge turning point for the show because for two reasons. First of all, there was that visibility and the whole of my industry is practically there going like, well, who's this guy? And once you know yourself, once you start interviewing someone, people crowd around. They're like, well, who's he interviewing and what's going on here? That generated a lot of buzz. 
But then for me personally, and I know you experienced this, Dave, people were coming up to me saying, oh, I listen to you every week. I love your show. Oh, episode eight when you, oh man, keep it up. And you pinch yourself because yeah, we see the download numbers, but sometimes, and I, I think we all fail at this as podcasters, we don't see them as people. They're just numbers on a screen instead of going, wow, that was 820 people. Listen to that, that episode, you know, <laughs> picture 820 people. So that, that was a, a big turning point. The company that I produced the episodes for loved it. So they became a big sponsor in 2020. And then what was interesting was the actual event. The company came to me and said, you're doing phenomenal things. Can't believe you're doing this on your own. Why don't you come and work with us as director of content? So they were going to acquire the podcast, take me on full time, and I would have this cool job. But, you know, we, we had discussions and I just thought, I don't really know if I want to have a boss and this thing, you know, I'm only a year into it. I think this could go somewhere. And, you know, it was one of the best decisions I made because they were going to announce my um, appointment at their event in Berlin. When was that? March, 2020. <laughs> didn't go ahead. The whole they were all there ready to launch and uh, their, their conference and they had to uh, cancel it. And I wouldn't have had a job. So I'm sure they would have given me tourpreneur back and everything else. Yeah. But, you know, I'd have been all excited about getting this great job and then that would have completely fallen through. But nonetheless, it was very flattering to receive that opportunity from this company because they knew me from my previous life working yeah. to travel companies. They didn't know me as a content creator. They didn't know me as, you know, a media producer. And when I first went to them to say, hey, I'm doing this podcast, they were like, well, why didn't you come talk to us about this? We could have done something together. And I said, because you wouldn't have given me the time of day because I was a sales director. I didn't have a podcast. You hadn't heard any episodes, right? So there's a bit of a lesson there sometimes is if you think somebody might buy you or hire you, um, go create the thing first, show them what you can do, and then, then have that discussion. You'll be in a much stronger negotiating position. The great thing about that story is you kind of now see where you had all this momentum going and then COVID hits and it just makes it even more soul crushing. So your audience said, hey, we want to hear what other people are doing. What else did you do during this time to did this bring the community more together in a way because they're all kind of helping each other? It galvanized the community. One of the early things I did with the podcast was I created a Facebook group. Uh, we're at maybe two and a half thousand members, 2,000, two and a half thousand. That shows you how much I look at those numbers, right? But it's a very, it's still, I mean, you know, that's a lot of people. It, it is. But for me, it's the quality that's more important. And I'm ruthless. You know, there's a one strike and out spam rule. I don't tolerate off topic discussions or whatever. We're, we're here to help each other grow. And that group has been phenomenal. People will come on, share resources, ask questions, give me feedback on content. Just today, I posted a poll. Hey, we're talking marketing. Here's 10 topics. You know, help me create the content for the podcast. Tell me what you want to hear. Mm. Um, my, the, the community really enjoy that. And they also enjoyed us having somewhere to go where there's no politics. There's no BS. We're just talking business. We all want to help each other. And it sounds a little cheesy, but that's something that I've worked really hard at nurturing on our Facebook group. The other thing we did as well, David, was, right, we're all at home and we're not taking bookings. So we have this time to learn. And we all want to learn. As entrepreneurs, there's so many books we want to read or courses to go on. And I just said to our community, right, let's, let's use this time. Have you wanted to learn Facebook ads? Well, maybe now's the time to get a course. 
And I would feature on a different aspect of marketing, for instance. One of the most popular episodes we produced last year was called uh, Copywriting Tips for, for Tour Operators. We got a marketeer on and we selected three different tour operators and we actually did this via YouTube and via the podcast and actually went through people's websites and gave them advice on on copy and how they can change things up. So it was a case of, okay, none of us can change what's happening in the world. None of us are traveling anywhere. How can we make the most use of this time? And that's what we did. We, We focused on those kind of topics. Were there a lot of people that just the minute this hit, they just threw on the tile and walked away. Yeah. There's people out there that hibernated where they just said, right. Okay. I know of tour operators who are now stacking shelves at supermarkets just to pay the bills. But you see that the difference with most tour operators, David is it's just you and a couple of tour guides. Most of them don't have a fleet of buses. They've got to pay insurance and everything else on. Uh, yeah. Those guys were the ones that were really hit. And there was, you know, massive layoffs in the industry with those guys. But the small to medium-sized tour operator that were able to mothball their business and then go and work. But there were a lot I spoke to, even now there are operators I speak to that are just so despondent and so depressed. And, you know, I'm hoping they come back. But they're like, Shane, I'm not listening to the show because I'm checked out, man. I'm just done. I'm just demoralized. And I've lost my business. I've lost me. I lost doing the job that that I wanted to do. And I just see, you know, these idiots running around without masks and I just, you know, I'm done with it. But on the other hand, on the other side, you have very resilient tour operators like, no, you know, I'm going to come back stronger. Yeah, I've got to go and work somewhere else for now, but I'm coming back stronger. As soon as we're able to travel again, I want to bring my business back. And then when you, when it comes back, it's new and improved with, you know, whatever new knowledge or things like that. Wow. That's yeah. I, I can only imagine. You, you, again, you'd mentioned some sponsors, which is great. Have you ever turned down a sponsor? I have. In the early days of Torpreneur, I uh, got into a bit of hot water with this because I had a couple of people who reached out to me, said, hey, we want to sponsor the show. Now, I've spent most of my working life as a salesman. And for me, sales is all about fixing someone's problem. And that's what I advise all podcasters do. If you speak to a sponsor, really find out what they are looking to achieve. And is that problem, is that gap big enough and something that we can solve? And for some of these sponsors, I said, you know what? I'm really sorry. I don't think the audience is a good fit or, hey, I just don't think for you, this is right right now. Come back in six months. And some of those people are like, who are you to turn my money down? And I said, well, I'm a guy who wants you to keep paying me money and I don't want to take it for one month and never hear from you again. And I'm a big believer in that. And it takes courage sometimes to ask sponsors, you know, questions, really trying to make a discovery call and find out what exactly is their problem. So, you know, one of your past past sponsors, David, you know, the Scarlet, the Focusrite, clearly Mm. they want to get the Focusrite out to more podcasters because they recognize there's a huge market. They're probably like, there's a lot of podcasters who don't know about us. So you guys are a great fit. But if a guitar string manufacturer came up to you, you're probably going to go, oh, you know what, mate? I-, I could easily take your money, but you, n- you ain't going to come back because you're not going to sell many guitar strings. Well, yeah. And that then, when your sponsor, whatever that is, 30 or 60 seconds, however long it is, when you force your audience to hit the skip button, it you know starts to ruin the experience, and then you start to lose your audience and, and that whole nine yards. In just a second, you'll hear how turning down sponsors actually help Shane make more money. Right now, I want to tell you that if you don't have a podcast yet, or 
If you have a podcast and you're looking to grow it, come visit me over at schoolofpodcasting.com. Use the coupon code LISTENER, and that will save you on either a monthly or yearly subscription. You'll get access to our step-by-step tutorials. You'll get access to that brilliant Facebook group with all sorts of brilliant minds that can help you with your show and live group coaching. The bottom line is, if you're worried about sounding like a fool, you're not. If you're worried about spending too much money on equipment, you're not. If you're worried that you're going to be doing this all alone and you're just going to want to bang your head against a wall, you're not. Come visit me, schoolofpodcasting.com. Use the coupon code LISTENER, and I will see you on the inside. You have here that you turned down sponsors, and it helped you grow your podcast? Yes, because some of those guys will, came back to me later on and said, wow, you're the first person who's turned my money down. You're an honorable guy. And they've recommended me to sponsors who then worked with me. Ah, so, interesting. Because I turned their money down. It would have been an easy sale. And I think sometimes you just, in our industry, it's, it's very tight. It's very small. People know each other, so you have to be very careful. But word got yeah. out that I just wasn't going to take people's money unless I, and I, I'm, I'm still the same, unless I really feel I can deliver I don't want your money. Well, it's, it goes back to going for what I call the win, win, win. You win because you get paid. They win because they get customers and your listeners win because they get a great product. And it's a matter of finding all those three and then finding the right price and that whole nine yards. It's, it's not an easy dance to kind of pull off uh, to where you find just all the right partners and the right pieces and the right prices and that whole nine yards. Right prices is, is the toughest one. I have a media kit and I should send it to, to Dave to take a look at. And I basically have to come up with pricing for something that doesn't exist. And this is also the interesting thing about our story here at Torpreneur is people said to me, you're crazy to do a podcast. Like no, no operators are going to listen to that. It's going to be boring. So they all told me not to do it. <laughs> and we'll get on to this shortly. I also do this daily, uh, what I call a pod news for the tour industry. And so many people, respected peers, said, don't do it, don't do it. And I did. And they're all things that have generated income. Now, now looking at uh, this year, 2021, I've just signed an agreement with the biggest tech booking platform for tour operators. They've just signed a two-month deal. I've actually got six sponsors this year as opposed to two for last year. And some of those sponsors are taken on multiple uh, months, multiple months. So even though this year we're not we're not out of it yet, who knows what's going to happen in 2021, but there are more sponsors they've seen because as we know, you don't get overnight success with a podcast and people listen to the show, they know the name and that now I have the credibility, they're interested in sponsoring the show. You mentioned you do this daily show and I believe you kind of got that idea from James Cridlin, is that correct? So I do a daily email and it's an email very similar to Pod News, where I curate what's happening out there in, in the tour industry. And yes, episode 621 of School of <laughs> Podcasting, if that was a vinyl record, would be worn out, jumping <laughs> all over the place. Because okay. I have listened to that so many times. And in fact, when you first aired that, and I had this idea about the Torpreneur Daily Brief, you you know kindly put me in touch with James, and I paid him for some consulting and asked him a ton of questions about his setup, and went on to do this thing. And it's remarkable because you know there's a with Substack and paid newsletters, it is newsletters are definitely making a comeback. 
Mm-hmm. And it's that brief. When sponsors contact me, they're like, they really want to be in that daily brief. I'm like, you know that we have more people listening to the podcast, right? Oh, but we want to be in that brief because they see it every day. They see their logo. They see, you know, they're, they're in the subject. Uh, and then that's great for me because it then introduces them to the podcast. I do package deals and, and everything else. But yeah, episode 621, and also what it did is leaving the sponsorship to one side is it really elevated my position in the industry where I'm, I, I get a little bit embarrassed by it, but I'm thought of as a, regarded as a thought leader. I'm getting more speaking gigs coming my way and people that want me to appear on various webinars and conferences because they're getting that every single day from me. And I'm the only person that's sending that out. Well, I say every day. Here's the thing. It was every every weekday, and then now it's Tuesday to Friday because between Friday and Monday, there's not much news in the business world. So I, I cut the Monday. So it's actually Tuesday to Friday, but there's no word to explain that other than daily. <laughs> <laughs> well, you kind of sound uncomfortable putting on the mantle of thought leader. Yes. <laughs> yes, I am. How do you deal with that? Like when somebody comes up and goes, well, you're – you're Shane Whaley. Like, and you're like, well, yeah, I know. But I mean, is that something you struggle with all the time or? Yeah, I do. And it's, it's interesting because someone I I interviewed this week, pretty well known in the industry said, Shane, it's high time you wrote a book. You've interviewed 132 operators. You now need to write a book. And I'm like, see, I could write a book curating the lessons from some of those interviews. I think that'd be a really good book. Because for me, as the interviewer, the reason why I think I'm a good interviewer is because I'm nosy and I'm curious. I want to know your story. And there was an interview we had this week that I loved. It was with a Scottish tour operator and someone left a message on the Facebook group and said, wow, I know that tour operator really well. We lived together in Hong Kong, but I had no idea she started her bike business because of such and such. I'm punching the air. Cause I'm like, yeah, that's a good interview. I got something out of them that nobody knew it was. And also I know you're a big fan of research and prep and I get that. That was nowhere online. I couldn't have got that information. It came out through the natural flow of a conversation. So I much prefer to, to consider myself a curator, a moderator, someone who's going to bring out the stories from the people who've really been you know, in the trenches running a tour business. And it's the same thing with the Spybury podcast. I was on a, another spy movie podcast this week and they gave me this big intro. He's one of the most knowledgeable people we know about spy literature. And I said, whoa, 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 no. I said, I get to interview the people who have the most knowledge, <laughs> the real scholars. Like I'm not, I'm, you know, I've read yeah. tons of spy books. I don't consider myself the expert. Some people say, oh, that's a bit of imposter syndrome on your side, Shane. But for me, the interesting thing is, it's like if you have a, let's say you had a podcast show, David, and you were interviewing all these podcasters and you're like, I'm a podcast expert. But let's say you, you'd never, you didn't do the production, you didn't do the editing, you didn't go for the guests, you didn't do any of that, you just rocked up and interviewed. Well, are you really, a, and I see this all the time, are you really a, the podcast expert or are you just an expert interviewer? And I think that's the key thing, doing the research, having the knowledge, but then letting the guests share the, the success strategies. Well, that would be the next thing we should probably talk about, because you have done a ton of interviews. What if somebody is getting into podcasting? Because a lot of people start a podcast and they're like, oh, I want to interview other people. Do you have any kind of tips in terms of like, how do you come up with the questions? And, you know, what's what's your general interview flow? Absolutely. So let's say, for instance, there is nothing about this person online. So let's, let's go that route for now. Um, there is a framework and that framework is facts. So what are the facts about this person? 
What are the story? What story do they have? What's the reflection based on that story? And then what advice do they have to give to the listeners? And I think if you can work around that framework and obviously come up with questions around that, um, I think you're on, on onto something because there you will get not just, hey, I did such and such, It'll be, and the result of that was, and this is why I advise that you, and that's for me the essence of the interviewing. Of course, there's te- you know techniques. Um, you have to listen, and you know it's always it's always great when I pull up my files. I'm sure you're the same, David. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's this is a perfect interview because track one host. There's there's little blips where I've asked the question, but there's this huge amount of text, you know, waves where the guest is speaking. I'm like, great. Uh, rather than it be the other way around. But I really think having that framework, and and of course, you know, if it's someone who has been interviewed before, listen to them on other podcasts, do the work. That's all there for us. Read up articles and interviews. We're so lucky with, with Google to be able to find out more about people. But try not to ask the same old questions. You know, think of something a little different. And most importantly, think of your listeners. What are your listeners looking for when they listen to your show? What do they want to get out of it? And Really focus your questions on that rather than just the the same old boring questions. Have you ever been in the middle of an interview thinking, okay, so far this is crap. I've got to come up with something. Have you ever had, or I guess just a better way to say this, have you ever had just a, a, what you feel is maybe not a great interview? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, there's, there's two ways of dealing with that. You either just stop it and say, hey, look, you know, we need to do this again. Can you go away and think about A, B, and C? Or you just need to come up with sharper questioning. And one of the things I used to do as a sales professional, which is a top tip, is when someone says, yeah, and I had great, you know, I had great success uh, playing at this bar. Well, how do you mean exactly? Oh, because when I played, you know, the New York Dolls walked in and they signed us or whatever. It's like, how do you mean exactly? It's such a great question. And also it's a good question because we all do this. If our mind goes blank, we're frozen. It's like zap in a, how do you mean exactly? will get you a deeper answer. But you know, often it will will just go deeper into what that person is trying to say, because don't forget for a lot of us, like most of the people I interview on my show have never appeared on a podcast before. They're nervous, they're scared, they're anxious. And I go to great levels to make them feel comfortable. I always say to them, hey, you know what? This is recorded. If I ask you something that you're not comfortable answering, I will just delete that. If you need a moment to think, that's great. Don't worry about it. I'll do everything in post-production because my goal on every episode is to make sure that my guest sounds like a million dollars because I'm not interviewing celebrities and politicians and people who are trained. I'm interviewing someone who's running you know, a bike tour in Montreal. They'd never appeared on media before. So you have the tourpreneur bringing in a, a, a nice chunk of change, which is nice. You've got your uh, newsletter, which is kind of nice. And then you have is Spybrary. Uh, you said it's a hobby cast. Does that bring, did you even try to monetize that? Or do you just like, nope, I'm doing this one for fun or. Yeah, no, I, I really have done it for fun because I've built a great community there. I've made good friends around the world, you know, love that Facebook group, really enjoy having the guests on that we do. I did start a, uh, a newsletter just before Christmas where I said I, almost the same thing as the Torpreneur Brief, but it's a weekly, I'll go out and get all the spy book news and spy movie news and, and create it in one email. And uh, that's almost at a thousand subscribers. Now, this was incredible. It took me a long time to get to a thousand subscribers of Torpreneur, but I've done it in just over a month with with Spybury. 
And that's because Spivery has been around for three years. And the cool thing about setting a list up is I, you know, I say to people, hey, thanks for joining. I really appreciate it. What are you looking to get out of this weekly created brief? And I get a ton of communication with people, most of them saying, hey, I've been listening to your podcast for years, or hey, I just discovered your podcast. I'm going through the back catalog. I'm so pleased you're doing this email. And again, I think we do have this imposter syndrome sometimes where we see the downloads, but it doesn't quite compute the loyalty that we have from our listeners, our regular listeners, and that they will support us with various projects. So that the goal with that is is to curate it. And at some point, you know, I get publishers who come to me, and unfortunately, so you you've, you've been dealing with publishers, David, so you know this that they don't always get podcasting. But I know if I turn around and say, "Yeah, I've got ten thousand spy fans on my list," they'll be like, "Oh, right. How, how much of a check do you want to publish our, you know, promote our book on that?" Because they're not looking at the numbers, you know, the quarter of a million downloads of the Spybury podcast. That's a test. I'll, I'll, we'll see where that goes. But it's, it's been fun to do so far. And, and you said you'd been doing Spybury for three years. How many, how old is uh, Torpreneur? So started in 2019, January 2019. So there you go. You are, you are one of the exceptions. You're not a three year before I can monetize kind of guy. Did you have an audience from being in the industry? Did you already have contacts? You know, how did you get the word out so quickly to, to get it up and going? Or is it just the fact that it's so hyper niche that people are like, oh my gosh, this guy has my audience? Yeah, it is. It's hyper niche because yes, I have thousands of connections on LinkedIn through online travel, but most of those are enterprise level, big companies. Um, most of my tourpreneur podcast listeners are mom and pop, small to medium sized tour operators who I didn't know beforehand. So very much that word of mouth. As I said, we're a tight knit community in travel. When someone recommends something, you'll go away and consume it. And because nobody else was doing it, people were like, oh, I really love this show. And that's something I wanted to share with your listeners. This is a crazy thing that I did. So I had this idea for the podcast. I thought, right, I need some validation here. Everyone's telling me this is a crazy idea. And I found this blog post written by a tour operator down in North Carolina, and they had written about their first 12 months in business. So I just cold called the woman and I rang her up and I'll never forget it. She was in a playground with her kids and immediately she's kind of like, what's this guy trying to sell me? Right. Like I said, I've got this podcast idea. Do you listen to podcasts? Yes. I want to do A, B, and C. Would you listen to it? She was like, absolutely. I was like, really? <laughs> so I then went away and built the podcast. Now, okay, that was a research of one person, but her right. response was strong enough. She didn't like, I didn't know her. She wasn't a friend. She wasn't a former colleague. This was somebody I literally cold called. And, you know, they've been on the show three times. They're the remarkable tour operator down there in Asheville. But there, there was that of just, just trying to get some validation and calling somebody in. Because if she'd said to me, nah, I wouldn't bother listening to it. Yeah, I would have called a few more, but it was such a good, you know, the way she responded was such good. Yeah, it wasn't just a yes. It was like, where is it? I'll listen to that right now. And that's really what you're looking for. I mean, Pat Flynn's book, Will That Fly talks about that, that when you throw some an idea out, I, I had an idea last year that I threw out and everybody I talked to was like, it sounds okay. Yeah. That's, yeah. you know, but I didn't ever be like, where, can I sign up for that now? I didn't get any of that. And consequently, I didn't, I didn't move on that idea. So absolutely. And that's a great book, by the way. And I actually went, worked my way through that book. And in the other room here, I only just took down the post-it notes three, three years later <laughs> of all the things. And the cool thing about that was I originally was going to call Torpreneur the Travel Pro Show. And I was going to interview people across the travel industry, not not just tours, but flights, airlines, hotels, Airbnbs, the lot. Then I just went through that and thought, you know what? It's too broad. 
people are not going to tune in every week because it's just too broad of an industry. And tours and activities is really my passion, and I dial down into that. So in terms of numbers, in terms of downloads, and this is, if people are listening to today's show, I just want, if there's one thing you take away, it's this. Don't fixate on these numbers. Like my Spybury show, I put that out. I get probably 10 times the amount of listeners than my tourpreneur podcast. I also have a really obscure podcast about the history of East Germany, a country that hasn't existed since 89. That delivers more downloads than tourpreneur. But none of those are going to generate five figures that tourpreneur is getting because the people who are listening, it's niche, it's focused, and they can't get that information anywhere else. And the second thing I would say on top of that, particularly when it comes to sponsorship, do not sell yourself too cheaply. Don't do the CPM. What I said to, to sponsors was that no one else is doing this. You, you cannot get in on a podcast that is listened to by tour operators around the world. How valuable is that to you? And then I sold them a price that is way above what you would get through CPM and probably what most people would charge. Like always, you know, price integrity is so integrity is so important. Like do not sell yourself cheap. If you if you have a focused podcast and it's good quality, you got good guests, good content, just don't sell yourself too cheap. Well, and you mentioned how one of the sponsors was some sort of booking platform. A booking platform. So think about that. If you give them one customer how much is that company going to make over the lifetime of that customer? And that's where a lot of people kind of forget that, that, okay, I'm delivering you three people. Okay, now they paid you $30 for that. And in the next five years, they're going to make who knows how much, but a heck of a lot. They're going to be laughing at you because they paid you $30 for something that paid them thousands or whatever, depending on what the product is. Did you try different pricing? How did you, did you have a dartboard? How did you? come up with price. And I'm not trying to, to get into your wallet, but how did you figure it out? The first year, I just thought, what would I pay for this to get leads? And I came up with a four-figure sum. And the uh, the first sponsor said, yeah, we think that's great. We love what you did for us at the uh, the conference. We got so much goodwill out of that. You're a good partner. Let's do it. That then gave me the confidence to charge that to others. Some people have said no. And you know, again, you, you have to hold the line. And, yeah. you know, don't drop your prices too quickly. It's really tough. I mean, if you get nobody saying yes, you've got to go back to the drawing board, right? But if people are prepared to pay what you're asking, uh, you know, un- unless there is another benefit. So, for instance, if they are the biggest player in the market and they're going to give you a ton of credibility, yeah, maybe you want to drop your price there just to get them on board. I get that. But you know the value that we're delivering, especially if it's a focused niche and, and a particular industry. And we all just downplay, well, nobody's going to listen to this or whatever. And, and yes, they will, especially if you're delivering great stuff. And, and again, what I would say to listeners, if you're going to create something like this is build up an online community, because I have prospective sponsors who are in that group and they, they see the engagement, they see the interaction. So it's not just Shane, the salesman spinning a spiel here. They see that what's going on in that community and they want to be a part of it. It's well, that's, that's something else I wanted to talk to you about because you said there's you know thousands of people in this and it's cool that you've kind of, people know you don't mess with Shane because he'll kick you out. So that helps. So what are some tips on building and growing that community? What I would say is operating a successful Facebook group. It's a bit like gardening. You can't just chuck a few seeds in the ground and that's it. You're going to get you know vegetable growing. You've got to be out there twice a day nurturing it. Um, even when you can't see anything below the soil, you've still got to water it and, and everything else. And it's the same with a Facebook group. You know, when I started my my Facebook group, it was just me posting 
questions or news articles. It was just me. And then, you know, people would join and then word would get out and word would spread. And I don't even really promote it as much as I should on the, on the podcast. You know, I really should probably create an ad for it or whatever else, but you know, there was a lot of word of mouth. So really engagement, we do do polls, um, but mainly it's a sharing of news or just asking questions or what's happening now is I, the group, but so it hits a, a pivot point where the group will take on a mind of its own almost and your members will start asking questions. So I don't have to do that stuff anymore. I don't have to water it twice a day. Like I, at the start, now my members will come in and say, Hey, um, I'm really struggling with Instagram reels. Have you got any tips for me? Or, Hey, and I want to buy a digital camera to take pictures of my tours. You know, what are you guys using? And it's grown from that. So it's, it's a really useful resource. So there's no, Which, no secret, right? There's no, like, it's just, you've just got to nurture it and ask thoughtful questions and try and get discussions going. And, and what I would say is, you know, I, I'm pretty strict. I have questions when people join, you know, um, you know, which business do you represent? And, and if I can see they're not actually a tour operator or connected, I won't let them in. And there are other groups out there going, oh, we've got 10,000 members. I'm like, yeah, but what's your engagement like? What's the quality of your posts like? You know, I, I would even be happy capping this thing at 3,000 if it meant the engagement and quality would still be there. Because that's what you have a group for. It doesn't matter if you've got 10,000 people, if, you know, 9,000 of them haven't checked in in eight months. What's what's the point yeah. of that? Do you still have to then do a lot of policing? I actually now have seven or eight moderators uh, nice. the tour operators around the world and they're pretty good. They, they will immediately delete. Cause what, what happens in my group, you'll get a tour operator join up and they say, Hey, come on, book my tours in Rome. And it's like, no, nah, buddy, we're not, we're not for that. We're here to say, Hey, which, you know, should I use Wix or Squarespace for my tour business? Not, Hey, come and buy my stuff. So they're really good at removing those. Occasionally we, we, you know, unfortunately sometimes politics creeps in and I have a, unless it's relevant to the travel industry a complete, you know, no politics, politics. Right. And I'll just, and I'll just go in and delete posts. And if they're, you know, offensive, then I'll just remove the person. I had to do that to two or three people that were anti-vaccines. And I just said, yeah, get out of here. And, yeah. you know, I, I just rather not make a song and dance about it. I'd rather just do it quietly because nobody else, and you know, really needs yeah. to see it. Um, right. And, you know, I, I it's not just with tourpreneurs. So for my East Germany podcast and for Spybury, I also have very large groups for them as well. We've had meetups in London. We've had meetups in Chicago. We had a really big meetup in Berlin, November 2019, which was phenomenal. And the really good thing for me as a podcaster is it gives me content. It gives me guests uh, from people who are posting. And also you get to engage with listeners who will tell you what they want to hear. And very often some of those listeners will have the contacts that – you need to, to access. Well, and, and I guess the last one we should talk about is your very first podcast, which was about juicing. <laughs> and how many episodes did you do with that? So 192 episodes of juicing radio. And that, that all started again because I'd, I'd lost 80 pounds through drinking lots of green juice. I started running. It was just, I got to a point in my life where I had to sort, sort myself out. And when you're doing something like that, bearing in mind this was 2013, you know, there's not much resources out there. I was always looking for case studies of other people who've, uh, you know, biked their way to losing weight or run or whatever. And I thought, okay, no one else is really doing this for green juices. Let me let me set this up. And the fascinating thing, David, really is it's the same thing I'm doing with Torpreneur. I'm bringing people on who have an experience. They have a story to tell. 
hopefully most of them have a hero's journey where they had success, then they backslid and they've come back again. And, you know, um, 192 episodes that, that podcast also generated, you know, a uh, five figure sum every year. And people thought I was crazy to close it when I did, but 192 episodes about throwing kale and pineapple in a, in a juicer. I, I was done. I was like, okay, I don't think there's anything more I could extract from this. Yeah. You know, five figures, that's nothing to sneeze at. Sponsorship, affiliates, what was the what was the makeup of the uh the income? Yeah, it was a a, a major juice machine manufacturer based in California who uh wanted to come and sponsor the show and uh, very loyal sponsors they were as well. They loved it. They loved that association again with the community and with the listeners. And, uh, you know, that was a time when, when there wasn't, I don't I thought I was the only one really doing a weekly podcast about juicing. You had Joe Cross from Fat, Sick and Nearly Dead. Many of your listeners might've seen that on Netflix and he came on the show. We did some stuff together. I spoke at his events, uh, but that was TV. Um, and no one was doing the podcast side of things. So it's just spotting that opportunity really. Well, 2020, again, we mentioned was a dumpster fire, especially for, for you in the, in the tour industry. That's man, that's gotta be a tough one. What was your big, any big takeaways from 2020? Yes. So leaving COVID to one side, I think my, there were, there were two learnings for me when I look back at the last 12 months. First of all, I sometimes made the mistake of thinking I had to be a shock jock. And whether that was in my daily brief or on air, thinking that I had to go on the attack and be a little bit controversial, a bit mm-hmm. click clickbaity. And I think sometimes it's easy to get sucked into that. And when I look back at some of the episodes and some of my commentary last year, I kind of think, you know, you don't need to go there, Shane. Your job is to bring experts onto the show and interview them and extract their lessons. You don't have to go on a crusade. Uh, and yeah, there are things I really care about in the industry, but you know, straggling that thought leader, shock jock interviewer is very, very difficult. So from now on, I've resolved that I'm not going down that route. I'm not going to do the monologue rants. I'm just going to go and interview other people. And the second major learning for last year, because we had all this time as I really suffered from the shiny object syndrome. And, oh, there's a Facebook ad course. I'll hop on that. Oh, there's an Instagram cross. Oh, here comes Chris Curran, podcast engineering course. And here's Steve Stewart. And all these things that I signed up for. And I asked myself, how, hey, how many of them did I actually complete? How many of them did I complete, but I rushed through, so I didn't really study. I just went through it to get my money's worth. I thought I was going to get my money's worth. And over the holiday, I asked myself, you know, well, I'm a podcaster. The one area I can really improve that will make a huge difference to my business is to become a better interviewer and to really focus on that. And I have a stack of books behind me here. I don't, you obviously can't. <laughs> <laughs> I have a stack of books behind me uh, all about interviewing and writing. And I really want to study those. This is going to be the year where I improve my craft as an interviewer because that's what people are tuning in for. That's why they're following me, not for the shock jock stuff. I stand and applaud, my friend. Well, well, it goes back to the Steve uh, Steve Martin line. Everybody's asking me, how do I get a, a manager? How do I get an agent? Nobody's asking, how do I get good? Yeah. And you're like, hey, you know what? They're turning into an interview show. Maybe I can be a little better interviewer. So why not? Yeah, that's it's funny you say that. I bought an SEO course. Um, I forget what else. And I even told myself, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to 
schedule these on my calendar. Like at least once a week, I'm going to spend a couple hours watching this. And I think I did the first week of the year. And then it was like, it's kind of just in, yeah, it's, uh, and as we speak, I can, yep, I can smell my money on fire. It's just, uh, I got to go back and get that done. So have you ever tried anything that just blew up in your face with a podcast? Not not with the podcast as such, but associated to it, I tried to get a book club going and that really didn't work. And I think it didn't work because I'd asked my community, hey, you know, what books should we all read together so we can learn together? They all voted in the poll. They're all excited about the final pick and then like nothing. And a lot of that, I think, was down down to the platform. Um, so, you know, having it on Facebook, it's just not, not a good way to have a book club and shared learning. And perhaps my, my lesson there, David, is I should have recorded episodes, maybe bonus 10 minute episodes. Hey, I read chapter one and this is what I learned. Um, you know, you really have to, to work hard to encourage people sometimes to take part in that. But, you know, with, with podcasting, it's all about trying different formats and lengths and until you find your secret source, but to always keep, you know, be innovative, keep, uh, trying different things. I, I'm just about to announce a, a new roundtable that I'm going to um, have on Tourpreneur where it's two well-known industry veterans. They are actually going to host the show themselves and they're going to invite a guest on each month. So I'm, I'm going to produce it, but I'm not going to be the host because I want those two guys to riff off whatever's going on in the industry. They bring on a guest because they will attract a different kind of listener to Tourpreneur because most people who listen to the show, they want the how I built this style interview, but there are people out there for larger companies. For instance, maybe they work at Expedia or at American Airlines, and they're not really interested in the how I built this, but listening to a couple of veterans talking about what's happening in the industry, maybe that will flop. I don't know, but you got to keep trying these things. I, I, I have a feeling that will be successful, but. Well, and the key there, as you said, this might reach people that might enjoy the show but they don't know about it yet because they're in kind of a different bubble, but they come over and they're like, Oh, well, this is cool. Any final advice for the new podcaster thinking of starting a podcast? What would you say to them? First of all, make sure it's something you're passionate about. You're not listening to these empty suit gurus of which I see so many of them in my Facebook feed, advertising podcast services and and coaching, and they're going to make you the next star. It has to be around a passion. And the best thing you can do is listen to as many podcasts as you can. Um, you know, that, that's what I did starting out. I'm still a voracious, you know, you, you stump me every year by asking what's my favorite podcast because I have so many on my app. Um, keep listening and, and take things away. And another, another tip is if you, if you have an interview based show, maybe listen to a podcast uh, for something you're not interested in, because that way you will listen to the questioner a lot more than you will the answers. Because David, if you and I were to listen to, you know, a rock music podcast, we, you know, we, we'd be tuned into the answer and think, Oh, I'm supposed to be listening to the questions. Whereas if it's on gardening and they're asking the questions, you're like, well, that's a re- I can turn that into a question for my podcast. I think sometimes doing that, getting out of our bubble is important. See, that's why I love having you on the show. I was like, I'm going to get nuggets out of this one. And that's a great <laughs> nugget right there. So well, I'm glad that you think you can, because I do suffer with imposter syndrome. I don't do other podcasts very often. And that's because I always want to be asking the questions. I always want to be learning. So I can probably count on one hand how many podcasts I've been on for, for Tourpreneur and Spybury. Well, I don't know if you noticed, If you, when you listen to this back, you will, ex, you will explain how you have thousands of people listening to this show. You have thousands of people in a Facebook group. Then you have another podcast with thousands of people. It appears you know what you're doing. So 
<laughs> you know, that imposter thing. Maybe not so much, you know, I, I think you're you're doing okay. So uh, if you want to check out his show, Tourpreneur is just tour, T-O-U-R, preneur, P-R-E-N-E-U-R.com. Any other places we should be sending people, spyberry.com or... Yeah, spybree.com if you like spy books and movies, uh, tourpreneur.com for the uh, the tour operator podcast. And if you're really, really geeky on history and you're interested in German history, go to eastgermanypodcast.com, which is powered by PodPage. A certain gentleman I know, uh, I did his free course on how to set that up. So you can see PodPage, in, and I've just signed up for that because I'm going to be launching another podcast shortly, which uh, I'll tell you about another day, and I've just signed up with PodPage for that. I've got Dave Jacksonitis. That's right. They're like glazed potato chips. You just can't have one. So awesome. Well, Shane, thank you so much for your time and thanks for sharing your insights. And uh, I, I look, I, I'll be very happy when things get back to normal because I know your life's going to get a little easier. So, well, and also I've got tickets booked here for Podcast Movement in Nashville. I, I look forward to, to seeing you, David. And, uh, you know, and Jim, who does Ask the Podcast Coach, and all these people I hear on your show that I've not got to meet, but I feel like I know I'm excited to actually meeting in the flesh. All right, my friend. We'll see you later. Thank you. It's funny. Every time I listen to this interview, and that's probably the fourth time I've gone through it, different things pop out. And it's the thing you said there at the end about the shiny syndrome I think it was the great philosopher Socrates <laughs> that said, uh, the unexamined life is not worth living. And so Shane is like, hey, you know, I just noticed I did this and I'm not really getting anything out of that. And uh, he said, let's see, I'm doing interviews. Maybe I should work on being good at interviews. And he's not bad at it now. He's just how can I be better? So I love his attitude. Again, it all comes back to attitude not afraid to try things, not afraid to reach out to his audience. He called, he cold called somebody and said, Hey, would you listen to this? That's really, cause what's the worst thing she's going to do? She's going to say, who is this? Never call me again. Nobody's going to punch you in the face, right? Ryan Parker from foodcraftsman.com. So I mentioned at the beginning of the show, the thing about attitude I always used at the beginning of my orientations when I worked in the corporate world and this is another one I would use in training. And this one is called Anything is Possible. So you can see here, Shane has imposter syndrome. I have imposter syndrome. Garth Brooks has imposter syndrome. Paul McCartney, John Lennon have imposter syndrome. We all have that. But here's something to think about. If there was ever a time to dare to make a difference, to embark on something worth doing, it is is now. Not for any grand cause necessarily, but for something that tugs at your heart, something that's your inspiration, something that's your dream. You owe it to yourself to make your days here count. Have fun, dig deep, and stretch. Dream big. I want to have that like a big mural on my wall. That's just two big words. Know though, that things worth doing seldom come easily. There will be good days and there will be bad days. There are going to be times when you want to turn around, pack it up, and call it quits. And those times tell you that you are pushing yourself and that you're not afraid to learn by trying. Persist. Because with an idea, determination, and the right tools, you can do great 
things. Let your instincts and your intellect and your heart guide you. And trust. Believe in the incredible power of the human mind, of doing something that makes a difference, of working hard, of laughing and hoping, of lazy afternoons, of lasting friends, of all the things that will cross your path this year. The start of something new brings the hope of something great. Anything is possible, including starting a podcast, because I can help you with that. Schoolapodcasting.com slash start. Use the coupon code listener. And if you enjoyed this interview, I know I did, and I've heard it four times, please go to your phone. And if you go, somebody's thinking about this or somebody that, that maybe is in the tour business or somebody that COVID just rocked their world, go, hey, look what this guy's doing. Go down to your phone and share that with a friend. I would be deeply honored if you would do that. And if you want to subscribe to the show and get the next episode, the minutes available, just go out to schoolofpodcasting.com slash subscribe. Next week, it will be coming back, the question of the month. I've got one I want to ask, and that's coming along with some insights into some new tools that are coming along because we love to play with tools as well as many other great interviews and insights. We'll be talking affiliate marketing in the future. Just go out to schoolofpodcasting.com slash subscribe. Until next week, thanks so much for listening. Take care. God bless. Class is dismissed. Class is dismissed.